Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. say happy Father's Day to all the dads here this morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, Also, if you're a mum here and you wear the dad hat in your family, I want to say a happy Father's Day to you as well. You're an honorary dad this morning. And if you're like me and, you know, you don't have a dad or your dad's not around anymore, uh, I remember what that was like. My father died when I was 17 and I can remember the first few Father's Days after that were just like... You know, like people would be like, Happy Father's Day. Oh, you know, you're watching TV during the week. There's farmers and Kmart in the warehouse. You can buy this for your dad. You can buy this for your dad. Oh, you know, people, we didn't have Facebook back then, so people were doing other stuff on social media about, I took my dad out for brunch. Oh, so I remember, you know, what that's like. But if you're here this morning, you kind of feel like, Well, this day means nothing. I don't have a dad. I want to tell you, you do. You have the best dad in the world because the Bible says that he is a father to the fatherless. And and once I read that verse, I said, all right, God, you can be my dad now. And so on Father's Day, I get to have Father's Day with with my heavenly father. And I ask him to say hi to my real dad, uh, who's in heaven as well. So there you go. I am a dad. I have three children, seven, five, and four. Not overly creative names, but we weren't feeling overly creative at the time. Now, first service laughed way harder. They just about wet themselves laughing at that one. I had to stop talking for 30 seconds. They were laughing so hard. Actually, it was about 15 minutes after the first service that someone came up to me and said, I just got it. (laughs) So so there you go. Yes, yeah. You know, it's a dad joke. If you can't do a dad joke on Father's Day, then when can you do a dad joke? Uh, I'm reading a book at the moment on anti-gravity. I can't put it down. Hey, that's a new one. That's right, Debbie. It's a new one. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I owe it to the first service guys to not just trundle out the same, the same dad jokes. When I was a kid, we had a, 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 an exchange student come stay with us from Switzerland. And one day I said to him, I was, what was his name? Andre. Andre, yeah. I said, what's the best thing about living in Switzerland? He said, I don't know. But our flag's a big plus. <laughs> yeah. They're better this time round, eh? Like, I actually Googled them instead of just trying to make them up. Yeah. So, did you guys know that French fries weren't actually cooked for the very first time in France? They were cooked in Greece? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. There you go. You guys will talk to the first service people. You say, he was really funny. And they'll go, really? I didn't. Because the first ones were not great. They are better. Yeah, yeah. I took on board the feedback from the first service, which was pretty much... I thought, okay, I need to spruce these up. So I am a dad. And I remember when I became a dad for the first time, actually the only time, you become a dad and then you're just a dad. But when I had my first daughter, Jess, she's seven now, I was 27. And I can remember uh, thinking at some point, I remember we were living in Auckland and I was walking down the hallway as she was having some epic meltdown as only three-month-old kids can. And I remember God saying to me, sometimes you look like this to me. And, and I thought, oh, really? And I remember thinking, I'm going to write a book about all the revelation that I've received about the Father heart of God since becoming a dad. 
and then I didn't, and nothing happened. It's just the end of that story. But the point is that, bear with me, that when you become a dad, you do understand a little bit more about the father heart of God. Like when you become a dad and you've got kids and you're interacting with kids and you've got this relationship and this dynamic, you do kind of go, you know what, Father, I kind of understand where you're coming from a little bit more. I kind of have the father you know, mindset, the father eyes a little bit more. So what I, do, what I want to do for you this morning is just three things that I am learning since I became a dad. And I haven't called it three things that I've learned because I haven't learned these things. In fact, these things aren't things that I think you can just tick a box, you know, you cross the finish line, lesson learned, I'm done, I move on to the next thing. These are lessons that you just are constantly learning, and there are some days that I do them better than other days. You know, I have good days, bad days, good days, bad days. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it feels like one step forward, two steps back. I end up feeling like I'm doing worse today than I was the day before. So it's very much things that I'm learning since becoming a dad through looking at how my kids do life and how I interact with my kids. You ready to go? All right. So the first thing, I kind of noticed this very early on when my kids were quite young. I noticed that kids don't worry about whether their needs are going to be met. Have you noticed that, parents, about your kids? They don't worry about whether their needs are going to be met. My kid never comes to me stressed out about finances or about the budget You know, I said this in the first service, but hands up if you're a parent. Let me see the parents in the room. Keep your hands up if you've ever been interrupted by a kid in the middle of the night because they had a bad dream. Keep your hands up. Keep your hand up if their bad dream was about not being able to pay the mortgage. You see that? Kids don't stress about that. When have you ever been interrupted by your five-year-old saying, Dad, I'm just a little bit concerned. I've been going through the numbers. You know, we had that car accident last week. We had to spend $400 fixing the car. I don't think we can afford to do X, Y, Z this month. And, you know, it's panic stations, Dad. Five-year-olds don't think like that. I remember a couple of months ago, I was praying in the lounge, and I was probably doing everything wrong when it comes to prayer. I was probably like, (laughs) giving God a list of all the things that's not working that, you know, I need help with. And I went into the hallway, and Jess was there, and she's seven. And I said, Jess, do you ever worry about not having, a much, not having enough money? And she said, no, I've got $11. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like a lot to you and me, but when everybody else in her family, including me, is poorer than that, it's actually quite a lot of money. And I'm thinking, I might need to borrow those $11. The tooth fairy got real cheap for a couple of months. Unfortunate timing to lose teeth in my family. I said to her, do you ever worry about not having enough food to eat? She said, no. I said, well, what what would you do if you ran out of food? She said, well, I know where to get food. I said, oh, where do you get food? She said, the pantry. (laughs) I said, do you ever worry about the mortgage? She said, what's a mortgage? I said, thank you, honey. You've been exactly what I needed today. Last night, I just thought I'd check it with the other two, with Harrison and Darcy. We're all having dinner around the table. I said, guys, let me ask you a question. I said, I've got to speak in church tomorrow. And I've got to make a point. I just want to make sure that the point is right. What do you guys worry about? And all three of them look at me. They're like, what What do you mean? I said, what do you worry about? And Jess literally said, I do not understand the question. (laughs) How cool is that? Right? Because kids don't worry about whether their needs are going to meet. Do you know whose job it is to meet the needs of my children? Their father. It's my job as the father to meet the needs of my children. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. 
In fact, the Bible tells us over and over and over. In case you say, no, Josh, you're making it up. No, the Bible says it over and over and over again that He will supply our needs, that He will meet our needs. He knows what we need. Before we even need it, He knows what we need. Not to worry about what we'll eat, not to worry about what we'll wear because He knows what we need and He'll take care of it. Paul said not to be anxious about anything. Jesus said, do not worry. It's not one of the Ten Commandments, but it sounds just as intense. Do not murder. Better not do that. Do not lie. Better not do that. You know, do not steal. Better not do that. Do not worry. I didn't really mean that. But he says it. Do not worry. And it's hard for us as parents, isn't it? Because on the one hand, we kind of do have to look after our kids. Like I'm used to going through the budget and sitting down with my wife and going, oh, we need to cut back on this or we've got a little bit extra here. And, you know, she's got to go out and buy the food. And so on the one hand, you kind of have to do all this stuff. But then on the other hand, you just have to, God's got it under control. So I'm learning, like I say, good days, bad days, good days, bad days. Another thing that I'm learning from my kids, let me tell you a story and then I'll tell you the point. So just imagine this. This happens all the time in my house. If you're a parent, you'll get it. But imagine that as a dad, you're at home, you're on the couch, Saturday afternoon, your feet are up, you've worked all week, you know, your, your wife is out in the garden or out doing something else and the kids are outside playing, it's just one of those beautiful Saturday afternoons. Maybe the wife is working on the car, people are giving me funny looks, she doesn't have to be in the garden, right? Maybe she's lifting weights or something, I don't know, something equally masculine. And uh, you're sitting on the couch, you're kicking back, and all of a sudden one of the kids comes running inside. For me, it's, it's normally Harrison. Nine times out of ten, it's normally Harrison. Kicks his boots off, comes running inside. Dad, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, yeah, great. Dad, I'm hungry. I need, I need some food. All right. And so I get up, you know, and we go into the pantry, and him and me will just stand there like this, looking at the pantry. Because I don't want to make anything that requires more than one ingredient. So you just have to be able to eat it as it is. If you've got to put two things together, that includes sandwiches. That's two ingredients. I don't do butter. It's too expensive now. It's like $6 a block. My gosh. We even resorted, Liz brought home a puddle of cream and said, I'm going to turn this cream into butter. That was not economic. I think the the Fonterra's on to that idea. You know, we put the cream in the thing, we shook it up, and we got like two tablespoons of butter. It cost like $8.90. That didn't really work. So I was standing there looking in the pantry, and I'm like, what do you want? He's like, a sandwich. I said, nah, that violates my one-ingredient rule. What else do you want? Crackers. You can have a cracker, but cheese on it? No, it violates my one-ingredient rule. I said, what about a lolly? There's a packet of fruit burst here. You can have a lolly. Brilliant. Here you go. Best dad award ever. He's happy. I'm happy. World keeps on spinning. So he goes outside with his lolly, and I've learned now I just need to wait. And I just wait for 20 or 30 seconds before the other two kids come sprinting inside and they always do the same thing. They'll make two statements and they'll ask one question. First thing they do, they come in and they go, Dad, Harrison's got a lolly. Like they just want to check to make sure that I'm aware that he's got the lolly. He hasn't stolen it. And I'll go, yep. They'll say, Harrison says you gave it to him. Again, just making sure that everything's legit, get all their ducks in a row. I say, yes, that's right. And then they will always say, can I have one? You ever have that with your kids? Your kids do that? As soon as they see that one of their brothers or sisters has something, they will come straight to you and say, I want that too. And I asked them about it last night. I said, why do you do that? 
And they all said, because if you've given it to one of us, you will give it to all of us. See, children understand that when they see a brother or sister being blessed by their father, it is an invitation for their own blessing. When they see their brother or sister being blessed, it is an invitation to ask God for that blessing in their life. As adults, we don't do that. We get grumpy about other people being blessed. I've been praying for years for healing and I've just heard that a guy down the road went in and got prayed for one time and he got healed. Why doesn't that ever happen to me? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I've been saving up for a holiday and then my car broke down. I had to spend all my holiday money on my car and now look at my flipping next door neighbours posting on Facebook about going to Fiji. I'd give anything to go to Fiji. Why does nothing ever good happen to me? My life sucks. That's what we do as adults, right? Oh, I would really like a new car, but I can't afford a new car because I've got three kids that eat like crazy, or one kid that eats the same as three kids. And now my next door neighbor's got a brand new car. Why don't I get a brand new car? God, it's not fair. But kids aren't like that. Kids just go, my dad gave it to my brother or my sister. That must mean it is available for me, right? So now when someone that you know gets healed, you go, awesome, my dad is dishing out healings right now. I've got to get me some of that. When you see someone getting blessed financially, you go, awesome, my dad is handing out financial blessings right now. I've got to get me some of that. You know, Glenn touched on it before, that verse in, is it James? Every good thing comes from a heavenly father. Every good thing. Every good thing. Doesn't matter whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're old, whether you're young, whether you're Christian, agnostic, atheist, Muslim, Hindu, gay, straight, doesn't matter. If there's something good going on in your life, it's come from him. Every good thing. He is a good Good father. So I'm learning, A, not to worry. He's got it under control. I'm learning, B, that when I see good things happening around me, it means that he's got his goodie jar out and it's available for me as well. And then the third thing that I'm learning at the moment. Flip. This is where I got Terry in the first service. It's, it's not really cool. The third thing that I'm learning at the moment is how much he loves us. I didn't understand how much he could love someone until I had a kid. And it's different when you're married. Like the relationship I have with Liz, my wife, it's, it's different to, you know, when you have a kid. And, you know, I would like to think that if push came to shove and, and I had an opportunity to, to be a hero, to do something brave, uh, like let's say that this whole building just just burst into flames and we all poured outside and then someone said, oh no, I've, I've, I've left someone in there or someone's still stuck inside. I would like to think that I would step up and I'll go in. You know, that I'd put my life on the line. Maybe not for Sam, but for everybody else here. <laughs> Sam is one of my favourite people in the world. What Michaela and Sam did, that's, they were amazing this morning. Amazing. And uh, without a word of lie, I was sitting there, I was telling Lynn in between services, I sat there and I watched you guys play. And I thought to myself, one day I will brag about being friends with Sam Nimmo. So I would like to think 
that if push came to shove, that I would, I would say, hey, I'll, I'm going to risk my life to save someone. You know, that adrenaline kicks in and I'd, I'd come running in here and I'd, I'd grab someone because you guys are my family. I've been here for 15, 16 years in this church. And I love all of you. Some of you I don't know very well. Some of you are pretty new. But if you're here, you're part of our family. And I'd like to think that, that all of us would do the same. But I tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't give my son I can't imagine loving someone that much that you would give your son or your daughter to save their life and God did it not even knowing whether you would reject him or not. Like it's one thing to do it for someone that you, you know, that you love, that loves you back, but he did it for, for people that are just like, nah, no thanks. That's amazing. Can you wrap your head around that? That's what he did for you. The Bible says before we even knew him, you know, he looked at our life and he saw everything that we would ever do, ever think, every decision we'd ever make, and he went, so worth it. Let's stand to our feet. So I did this in the first service, but I want to just broaden it up a little bit. I really feel I was talking to God about, you know, just during, the, even just while the worship was going on, like, what do you want to do in this service, God? And, you know, he's a good, good dad. He loves us so much. And a couple of years ago, in fact, it was last year, 2016, I was going through a bit of a rough time. And I had this saying that I just held on to, that I would say over and over and over again. I would just say, God loves me. Plus, God knows what I need. Equals everything will be okay. God loves me, plus God knows what I need, equals everything will be okay. So right now, if you want to receive something from God, I believe that God has a gift for you this morning. I don't know what it is. In the first service, we were focusing really on, you know, just God's love. But I want to open it. It could be anything. I think that this morning, Father's Day, He's a good, good Father and every good thing comes from Him. I think He's got a gift for everybody in this place. And it might be love, it might be X, Y, Z, I don't know. But if you want to receive from Him this morning, just a touch, just something new, breakthrough in an area that you want breakthrough. And if you've got something that's popped into your head that you go, ah, that's what I want, Dad. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to welcome you to come up to the front and we're just going to go through and just pray for you real quick. Nothing huge. Just going to release God's love over your life and then you can go and enjoy the rest of your Father's Day. All good? All right. So while these guys are playing the song, let's come up to the front. We can pray for you. Awesome.